Thank you for downloading the Kol Hadash podcast. This is episode 49 and the final in our 5773 High Holiday series. As Rabbi Shalom closes the book on the Torah, we can reflect on the value of the Hebrew Bible, but not forgetting the other connections we have to the Jewish people. Why is the book of Numbers so boring? You can see the point to Genesis, the beginning, not only the beginning of the world, but also the beginning of the Jewish people. The book of Exodus, leaving slavery for freedom, the foundational myth of a national narrative. Leviticus, rules for priests and a priestly theocracy. In Deuteronomy, the final address of the departing lawgiver, a recap and revision of the law. But Numbers? Sacrifice after sacrifice, purification after purification. The first four chapters count up every family, clan, and tribe that left Egypt. Chapter 26 gives another census of the military age population. And chapter 33 is the complete wandering in the desert itinerary without interesting details. We see where Numbers gets its English name, but where is the inspiration? Even the Hebrew name Bamidbar means in the wilderness. Answer? We all start somewhere. No one comes from nowhere. One of the reasons the traditional Torah continues to be celebrated is that it is an origin story for the Jewish people. The genealogies of Numbers echo the genealogies of Genesis, which take us from the mythical beginnings of humanity to the mythical start of the Jewish family with Avraham Avinu, Abraham our father. The fact that the first patriarch's name, Avraham, means father of many is more than just a coincidence. How amazing that his father Terach originally named him Avram, exalted father, and that's exactly what he became. More likely, the Jewish people existed before they wrote the story, and they bound together allied tribes with invented ancestors to create family connections. We are far from the only people with invented ancestry to connect the dot, dot, dots in our family tree. In the song, America the Beautiful, we sing, Land where my fathers died. My fathers, my ancestors died in Lithuania, and Belarusia, and Syria. But joining America is like joining a family complete with fathers. If we celebrated the wisdom of our founding politicians, it wouldn't work as well as our founding fathers. And so we look for roots. We want to feel the strength and meaning and emotional impact of roots. But roots for us are much more personal, much more recent than the invented past of the Torah. Roots are when you look at old family pictures and recognize their faces when you look in the mirror or at your children. Roots are when you read about what your parents did when they were young. Roots are when you get your grandmother's banana bread recipe just right. My grandmother used to use Gerber banana baby food in her banana cake, as we called it, to make it smoother. 25 years after she died, I opened a jar of banana baby food to feed my infant daughter, And the smell brought it right back. 
Kol Kadash humanistic congregation does not use a Torah scroll in an ark for purely rational reasons. My back would be happy to explain to you there are more efficient ways to convey information. We use this symbol because it inspires, but also because it evokes, drawing out memories of past experiences, connecting us with our ancestors while maintaining our integrity, helping us to feel that these high holidays are different from all other days. We need roots for the same reasons we need myth and history and ethics and literature. We need life. We need to connect with others through love. And as we live our lives, some of those loved ones die. The longer we live, the more we lose. Our consolation is that we remember them, and we still love them. Roots live even if people die. They may have been statistics to a demographer. They were loved ones to us, and they still are. We conclude this Yom Kippur memorial service with a passage about the power of life, even in its simplest form. This piece was originally a letter to the editor of the Detroit Free Press, published over 30 years ago, written by an author who has been dead for over 18 years, but the words still speak to the human condition. It is indeed part of our Torah. Who Needs Weeds by Lawrence Levine. Weeds are very much in the news these days, with some pulling for them, others against. Most of us who garden sweat against weeds through the blasting heat of summer and beyond. Who needs weeds among the cabbages and kale or in the cornfield? Weeds compete with crops, robbing them of nourishment, reducing yields. But there are other angles. Let us not forget that corn, tomatoes, potatoes, petunias, and cultivated flowers were all once weeds. So what's in a weed? The power of wheat may be there too, just to name one. Who needs weeds? Monarch butterflies feed on milkweeds. From these they get their poisons that sicken birds and teach them to avoid monarchs. And how about honey? Bees obtain nectar and pollen from dandelions and other weeds from which the honey will flow. Weeds have a lusty power to live. Just examine parts of any freeway and see where a stark plane of concrete is broken by some weed holding its own, declaring itself from the narrowest crack. No person consciously planted this weed or any other. Perhaps the seeds blew in. Maybe birds dropped them. Weeds are seeded by the wild. Who needs weeds? I need weeds as a testament to their intractable powers to be tamed into bread, to be alive, to be wild too. This podcast was recorded and produced by Ken Burke on behalf of Rabbi Shalom and Kol Hadash in conjunction with Repatriation Studios. I'm Ken Burke, and thank you for listening.